you've been looking for a podcast to help you transform your physical and mental one that'll shoot you straight between the eyes with truth and no bs helping you have the right mindset to accomplish things the iron will and fortitude to follow through with what you say you're going to do no excuses Mark owns martial arts schools, and after 30 years, he has some real insight for real talk, real life, real conversations, motivational, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, live from the Great 1-8. This is Real Talk with Mark Cox. Right. Good. Well, it's good morning for me, Scott. I just I just found out that Scott is actually broadcasting from Germany. And so it's 6 p.m. out there. It is 9 a.m. out here in California. And so good morning and good evening all at the same time. It's amazing that we can be on opposite ends of the world and talk like we're right next door to each other, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's pitch dark out here and uh, get ready to call it a night here. So, yeah. Well, that's great. So listen, uh, today, guys, our guest. This is if you guys haven't met me before, we have some we have some new people popping on now. So if you guys, the comments are right off. Uh, you're welcome to comment as we're going through. If you got any questions for Scott or myself while we're going through our our interview, you're welcome to uh, bring it up, and we'll we'll put it out there uh, uh, for him to answer or myself. And with that, no further ado, Scott, I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself. Okay, now that we know that you're, uh, I just so everybody knows he's still deployed. I, I he's deployed right now. I didn't know he was in service. I thought he was out out of service now. But Major Scott, go ahead and introduce yourself to the to our audience. And thanks, on. Mark, for having me on. And and that intro uh, video is awesome that you that you've got there. And uh, yeah, so I'm uh, I'm currently serving. Uh, I'm a reservist that's on an, an active duty order right now, a deployment out in Germany, and. Uh, we are, uh, our mission is to train Ukrainian chaplains. And so we've got uh, them coming over periodically throughout the year. And uh, so I've been here since August, so right at almost three months and really just got getting settled in. And, um, you know, it's the first time in, in a long time in my military career that I enjoy what I do. Um, it's, you don't always, the grunt work sometimes gets to you. And so uh, I love teaching. I love coaching. And I get to do both of that while I'm here. And then, uh, of course, I run the Go Boldly Mastermind groups that are for men. And so those are small groups of 10 or less men that uh, high level mastermind groups that meet once a week. And so truly excited about that, because I think that um, in today's society, we need men to step up and be bold. And and, mm-hmm. and it really kind of goes along with your beyond the mat, you know, no excuses. And that's Men are men are giving too many excuses, and and I think you used the word wussy earlier for some something. One hundred percent, and that's with a W, and it's usually with a P. So <laughs> to be honest with you, but I'm going to keep it. Very, I'm going to keep it G PG today because we got because our pastor's here, right? So uh, we have a chaplain here today, so I'll, I'll keep it. Well, it's not like you haven't heard it, man. <laughs> I, I was telling so everybody that's online here. I was, it's it's unique that Scott works in the chaplains division of the military because that is exactly where um that's that's a major part of who we helped in in hunter out in georgia that's that's the chaplain's assistance and the chaplains is who we trained 
with our Krav Maga. And I think I told you before that we had a ranger named Joe. He's out of service now. He, got, he just retired and, you know, he's been deployed several times. He's a, he's a, he's a just a combat ranger, man. He's a, a he's a go-getter. Yeah. Good, good Christian guy. But he ended up, this warrior ended up going into the chaplain's corps and he just brought a whole new mindset to the chaplain's corps to help chaplain's assistants make sure that they are safe on the battlefield and and they can and know how to defend. And I think I was telling you before, I said I always found it uh, unique when I was in there to, to train the chaplain's assistants that the chaplains were were better than the, the chaplain's assistants ever could be. It's probably going to be a flip flop. Who's going to save who when when when, you know, uh the fit hits the shan, you know what I mean? And, and I think some of that comes down to just a, a presence of mind, you know, uh, lack of, lack of self-awareness. Some mm-hmm. of our chaplain assistants are very young. Fortunately, I've got a, an older guy right now that's, that knows his stuff. Unfortunately, he's going to retire next year. Um, but I, I mean, I, when I travel, Johnson goes with me and uh, especially when I'm in country here. And so even though we're not, you know, actively at war, there's still that uh, that sense of the enemy knows that I'm not carrying a weapon, and they're gonna they're gonna come after me first. So, yeah, they know that they definitely know that the enemy's right. still the enemy. So, Scott, why don't before we kind of go on because I'm I'm very interested in your men's health and and your masterminds and stuff like that. But I think that this is a unique thing that people don't really understand about in the military uh, when you say that. They're going to come after you first. Why don't you explain to the audience what that looks like for a what it is for a chaplain? They may not know that a chaplain and it doesn't matter denominations, whatever, whatever denominations it is. They are not allowed to carry um, firearms in battle. And that's why you have an assistant. Why don't you go ahead and explain what that looks like? Yeah. So we we take an oath to perform or provide regardless of denomination. So, you know, soldier comes to me that's um Wiccan or you know Islam or whatever whatever faith background and I I am committed to performing or providing whatever service that they need and and you know part of that when we go to war there's an expectation that chaplains will be down where the soldiers are where the where the the, the military personnel are down on the on the battlefield down at the at the line where where everything is happening we're carrying no weapon now we can wear you know, battle rattle, we can wear all the gear, but you still have got to protect yourself. And that's where the chaplain assistant, um, I always, I always say that I want the biggest, baddest redneck that shot about 15 deer in their, in their <laughs> life to protect me. Because if they can, if they can shoot a deer from 250 yards away, they can shoot the enemy for me and protect me. And, um, and so that's, that's what I look for. And so my, my I, last chaplain assistant is a, right. I think that, and he was big and, and bad. And, and I, I love going into Jordan and Kuwait with him because he, he was definitely going to protect me. Yes, that is right. So you had, like I said before, yeah, you had two types that you had two types of uh, men or women in there, man. You had these, these chaplains assistants. That's all about it. Yeah. And then you, you know, like Joe, if you, trust me, if Joe was your chaplain assistant after all his deployments, yeah, you'd be pretty safe. Exactly. Matter of fact, the whole platoon would have been safe if he was out there. To be honest with you, he was just a you know he's just a he's just a bad boy, man. 
So it's it good. Is. Well, hey, listen, man, we need to protect God's uh, God's soldiers. You know, Absolutely. plus you have the you, you know you have the hand of God on top of you on top of it. You know, that's the uh, that's the one that counts, right? Exactly, exactly. And you know, and and every soldier should understand that when they sign up, that they're basically saying, "I'm willing to give my life." Mm-hmm. And it, that's an expectation. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there's a lot of military personnel that sign up and don't don't have that mentality. They don't have that expectation. But I knew what I was getting into when I signed up. And that's what I try to explain to every young soldier coming in. This is what you've what you've signed up for. Toughen up. Yep. Yep. It's absolutely it is. is it, you have to have a warrior's mindset inside there for sure. Yeah, it's it's. It was just so you know, you know, I got to I, see I worked now for almost two or three years with it, with the military. And it was a little different for me. They brought us in because of our Krav Maga, especially with weapons retention and stuff like that. But working with the military has re- really spiked our awareness because we did so much scenario training in the shoot house that it was like, wow, some of this stuff works and some of this does not work when, especially when you got battle rattle and everything on. Okay. There's a, you know, you get knocked down and you're like a turtle, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You're like a turtle uh, on your back of your shell. You're like, what the heck, man? You're so worried about it, 50, to 100, 50 to 75 pounds extra. Yeah, weight right. Carrying that stuff. Yeah. Right. So, you know, going through that, it really kind of helped hone my skills a little bit more for that. Um, for you know and enhance what we had anyway so it was it was such a good time in there for me and such a unique thing i got some really cool gifts from those um those high-end officers too for for what they did and i got this compass this true north compass from the chaplain's assistant Nice. probably one of the coolest things that i ever you know of course awesome challenge coins and all kinds of stuff because you get all kinds of guys from different uh places that come in and i had this one unique coin it had an alligator on it, and I'm like, and this guy's a go. I mean, this guy is a hard charger, man. This 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 kid could fight. And I'm like, what's this alligator about? And he goes, Oh, Mr. Cox, you won't like this. It's um, uh, we had this a pull up bar in a mud pit, <laughs> and he goes, one time in the mud pit, there was an alligator. Oh my gosh! And one of the guys, one of the guys took that alligator out and killed it, and then they put the head in the in the in the in the mess hall when they go eat and he goes that's the alligator head on the back of the coin i'm like oh my goodness these guys are freaking choking out alligators and killing them putting their heads on the wall those are my kind of guys that's what i call that kind of guy it's just it was i said such a unique stuff in there man it was so good it was so good you never know what you're gonna what you're gonna come across and and soldiers are notorious for pulling pranks on each other and so Mm -hmm. never know what you're gonna get a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's so true. So true. So, so now you're in service. No, you're reserve right now, but they, they called you up and to, now when you say you're, you're helping train uh, the Ukrainian, uh, do they have the same, is, do they have the same kind of, uh, uh, you, can they have weapons or can they not? What's there? Is it across yeah. the board? No, they don't carry weapons either. Um, I would imagine that they're probably because they've really just thrown a they've really just thrown their chaplain core together within the last year. Uh, and so they are in essence, we're teaching them and along with 
you know, the, the UK has got some trainings for them and, and some, the Netherlands have got some trainings for them. And so they're, they're kind of going from different, different country, but we're in essence training them how to set up their, their chaplain center. We're teaching them how to be soldiers. We're teaching them how to counsel. We're teaching them how to get their soldiers back in the fight. And as I was telling you before we got online, you know, their war is different than our war that we've ever fought. The, the, the wars that we fought have been Iraq and Afghanistan, where our soldiers went there, left their families behind in their house and their normal communities. Our soldiers went to Iraq and Afghanistan. These soldiers are walking out their back door, sending their families away. They're sending them here to Germany. They're sending them to the U.S. They're sending them to Canada. And they're walking out their back door to fight this war. And they, you know, the biggest thing that, that each one of them continues to tell me is, I don't know if my family's coming back, which is different because a lot of our families in the U.S. are always saying, well, we don't know if our soldiers coming back. But right. a lot of these families are, are finding new lives in other countries. So they're fighting a, a, a you know, multiple battles, a, a mental and a, and a physical battle at the same time. Yeah, that's tough. That's uh, yeah, that's a tough. Yeah, that's. It's a tough pill to swallow because we just don't have. Not that I can't see that that happening on our soil here, but such a different, you know, you're right. That's just a different thing. You know, your family is being on tack on your own soil. And I'm sure that the stress levels are high and I'm sure the, the chaplains are really needed in in this um, in this time. Are you when you're when you're training them, are you training them? you know, for consulting, are you training them for training? So what are you doing here? The majority of them are, are priests. They're coming over here. Um, they're coming to Germany. They're coming to, we've got a camp set up where we put them up in tents and they, unfortunately they get to eat MREs. So they, they do get a hot meal at night um, in the defect, but they're not, you know, they're not staying in a hotel when they come over. They're not, they're not getting the the best, um, the, the best living arrangements. But so when they come over, we, we've got a two week training that we've laid out where we are talking to them about how to be a soldier. We are talking to them about the, the rank structure and how things are kind of laid out. And you got to keep in mind that they're not NATO. So there's a lot of things that we can't say to them. We can't do for them because they're not a part of the NATO uh, agreement. And, one of the biggest things that that I'm teaching them is is some counseling techniques, solution focused counseling, really a, a quick and a quick and easy counseling opportunity to to, you know, when a soldier comes to them and says, hey, my kids are messing up and I'm getting phone calls from my wife and I'm, you know, this is going on. How do we get them back in the fight immediately? And so we did a lot of role play around around solution focused counseling and, um, and coaching and then and then looking at how to handle traumatic events you know, for themselves, when they get into a situation where there's a battle and they've got a soldier that's gone down, how do they, how do they maintain mentally and physically in that, in that moment when, you know, their best friend's just been killed or, or is hurt pretty, pretty bad. And so we're, we go into, you know, we go into some things pretty in depth, but we also have to slow it way down because we've got translators and some things just don't translate from English to, to their language. It, it, and so we really have to be thinking 
in advance, okay, what are we going to talk about next? And does this translate? And, and can we make this relate to them in their, in their war? And also being sensitive to the fact that, you know, I was talking to one of the translators the other day that had gone back and she had, she had texted me. We were, we were texting about some things and she goes, I've had to be okay with the fact that I may, I may die while I'm here. And I just thought, man, that mm, is, yeah. that's, that is tough. You know, that is a tough, and I just, I didn't even know what to respond to that. Nothing you can to, to say. That's right. Right. Isn't it? it uh, well, as a, well, as, even as a chaplain you, yourself, right. Mm-hmm. I went through the, um, the police chaplains. I was looking to go down that road. Um, you know, I did some reserve work in the, with LAPD and, uh, a few years ago, I went through uh, a course on chaplains for police, and I just found that the kind of stress that they're under and, and things like that, and that is something that they needed. But you kind of need you kind of need somebody that chewed a little bit of your dirt and is kind of on that fence of, you know, the squeaky clean life. And the other side where you have a little bit of real life. And I just think that they need that just even when you ride along with them and you're just talking about not really, you know, I think that sometimes chaplain stuff is just talking. How's your, you know, how, you know, Oh, I can relate to that. You know, I, you know, or their marriages or whatever yeah. it is. And just having another guy that's just like, man, I need to get, you know, I need to get some of this, off. So I, I went through a course, a, a post-certified course on chaplains for police, which was really, that was unique. You know, I haven't given up on that. If, the, if, if I find the right department that'll look for something and it's, you know, what's funny is that a lot of departments, you know, their, their chaplains are, you know, the, the, just like you said, like an older priest or, you know, yeah. they're going to, you know, they're not the kind of guy that's going to chew the dirt and talk the language that you talk and that can relate to you on that level. Like, okay, Hey man, I feel comfortable around this, yeah. you know, around this guy, you know what yeah. I mean? They want to be and able so, to, they want to be able to say, use whatever language they want to and know that they're not mm-hmm. going to be, they're not going to be offending somebody. Correct. You know, correct. I think that that is, and that was, and I'm uniquely fit for that role because I have a little bit of street behind me and, and uh, I'm not the squeaky clean um, priest. Well, not that priests are squeaky clean sometimes, but uh, you know, none of us are, but I could definitely, I've definitely have an understanding. And then also going through a serious divorce, you know, being a single dad for, I, I raised all my children. I've got a lot of that kind of life behind me where I was not a weekend dad. I raised my kids and, and through a a very nasty divorce, even after 20 years of marriage. Right. So I got a little bit of gray hair, no hair, uh, (laughs) using, uh, you know, the right kind of dye. So you don't look like Santa Claus on the beard, that kind of guy. So I have a little bit of life behind me and we can, you know, we can cut up and, and say, Hey, listen, man, you're not talking to, uh, to the squeaky clean stuff, but I can tell you that God can wash your, wash a lot of stuff. And especially if you can, um, you know, talk to somebody. It's a lot because there's a lot of stress in the, in the, in the police world, probably just like there is in, in, in the military world. Oh my God. And I think it's a different kind of stress because you're, you're not necessarily fighting a war, so to speak, but you're fighting, um, 
you know, police are seeing, they're seeing bad accidents. They're seeing kids in these bad accidents that are being killed in these accidents, you know, car accidents. They're seeing, they're seeing a different kind of, and it's, and it's just as bad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what, I think one of the best compliments I ever got was years ago, um, a friend of mine, and she, uh, she didn't think that I would, I would care much for her because of her lifestyle. She's a lesbian. And she introduced me to somebody one day and she said, Scott's a man that just happens to be a chaplain. And I have never forgotten that, that she recognized that, yeah, I may be a chaplain, but I, I also still care about people. And I, mm-hmm. I can, as you, as you said, chew the grit, you know, right. and, and get out there. And it doesn't mean that I, you know, that I give up what I believe. It's just that I understand that people have different mindsets and they come from different different backgrounds and so and that's true and it's it's that's such a hard thing for i guess for i don't know that you know that that is a really good segue because though people have a tendency to think that just because we don't agree with the lifestyle doesn't mean we disagree that you're a bad person right we just don't agree with that we just don't agree with the lifestyle and it's okay for us maybe you don't agree with our lifestyle it's all it's all good you know that doesn't mean that um you know, when you cut your finger, you bleed just like we bleed. When when somebody cuts your heart, you know, you, you know your your heartache is no different just because you have a different uh, belief system. So, Absolutely. you know, I just think that if people can understand that, I think people think that if if you don't if you think my idea is bad, you're bad. You yeah. know what I mean? As opposed to, I think your idea is bad. I don't think you're bad. I just don't agree with with that. You know what I mean? So. And, and, it, and it can be as simple as you like steak. I don't like steak. Or you like hamburger. I don't like hamburger. I mean, it, we, we get so caught up in this, this that everybody has to agree with everything and everybody. And, and it's, mm-hmm. I, I just, at some point, just got to call BS on it and say, look, I'm entitled to have my own beliefs. I'm entitled to have my own thoughts. Doesn't mean I don't, I don't like, it. I still like you. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that, and you know, to be honest with you, the, the church is, you know, my my brother has been a pastor for, um, you know, that's he went. My brother is, is a cop, he, LAPD cop. He's been one for 28 years. So he's a reserve, but he also works in child trafficking. So he works with Zoe and he goes and extracts these kids. And, you know, he's he, even at, at his age now, you know, let's see, I'm eight years older than my brother. So he's 53, 50. I don't know what he's doing, but he's still busting down doors and and taking kids away and 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 helping with that. And, but he was also a pastor at a church for uh, 20, 20 years. And so you got this pastor life and this cop life. And I think that in in, in the Christian world, you know, I, I talked to my brother about this so much that, you know, cause I find myself doing the same thing, be honest, you know, I, I tell everybody to be honest with you. Sometimes I find myself in the same situation where as, if we got to help, you know, feed the homeless or what we're doing, but on the same token, the ones that are coming to church, I know are pedophiles and, you know, based on, on my work and what I've done in the past or, you know, hey, listen, I just saw this guy pull a knife on somebody here uh, or the, the we're having a Friendsgiving at church and the guy you're interviewing pulled a knife on me in the parking lot. Not not but two months ago. And it just you know, I just. I tell him, I said, there's some things I'm meant to serve on. This ain't it. Exactly. Okay. Uh, you need a different heart. I, I know too much stuff in my, 
And so you have to know your, you, you know, you have to know yourself where to serve. That is not my, I said, I tell everybody, it's not my gift. You know, who you, you need to have somebody that's chewed the same dirt as them and try to get them out of this uh, yeah. criminal lifestyle and, and what they're doing. Because I think as, right. And then, cause I'm asking God all the time. I'm like, man, I can't change my mind on it, Lord. I so I don't know what, just don't put me in the situation. That's what I'm asking them, right? I, I said, I don't want to go St. Peter on everybody. You know what I mean? Uh, so uh, uh, it's it's just, and, and then I find the opposite of sometimes with Christians on how oh, they're just so, man, they're such, so judgmental, right? And I said, I tell everybody, you want to know the worst class I ever did way back in the 90s when I started was a Christian homeschool group that I did. And they were just a nightmare. <laughs> I'm like for payment for, you know, why would you charge us? That's not the, I'm like, wow. I'm like, if but I you, wasn't a strong Christian at that time, I would have never went to church, man. Just based on what I taught it was a I, nightmare. I have seen it. I mean, I grew up in the church, you know, and I've seen it and it's, it is absolutely I always laugh when I talk to waitresses and waiters at restaurants. I'm like, what's the worst day to wait tables? And they say Sunday, Sunday for lunch. <laughs> There's just no way that's not true. Right. <laughs> the ones that should be blessing the most are, are the, the ones that are, yeah. are, are the biggest nitpickers. I'm like, Oh my goodness. I, I yeah. just can't with it. You know, yeah. I, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me one bit at all. You know, we're in the kingdom, man. The kingdom should be what it is, man. And, you know, the other thing, you know, you got the flip side. It's a, it's an 80-20 rule. You got 20% of the people that do 80% of the work in a church anyway. And and then 10% of those are just these, a solid, solid group. It's finding those 10%, you know, that are doing things, um, you know. I, I think about it often with the Lord. I'm like, man, I'm going to have to stand in front of him one day and he's going to say, good work or pull your head out, bro. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, just, a lot of us that's going to hear those, those same words. But, <laughs> hey, I, 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 I tell everybody, I said, I'm going to stand in front of God one day and he's going to look at me. You're going to, he's going to be, you need to thank Jesus while you're even here, bro. That's what you're going to have to do. Uh, it's, it's just one of those things. So it's, it, it's, it's fun to make fun of them, but Sometimes the truth lies in in in, in between. Absolutely. Well, let Absolutely. let's talk about these masterminds. Let's talk about your because I think it's a, a unique thing you have. I want to talk a little bit more about what you do. First, we'll talk about your your website so where people can find you and these mastermind. And you kind of you kind of gravitate towards men and you have these yeah. small groups. And I'm interested to talk to you about that because going right back to the church, right? Most churches have these small group life groups. Right. Most churches do that now. Uh, when I was going when I was growing up, I, we didn't really have that. But the modern church has these life groups you go and you do. And I am not one of those guys, which I'm sure that you deal with a lot of men. A unless the men has some estrogen in them. I am not going to someone's house and singing Kumbaya. And I'm going to tell you all my woes and my, and, and all that. It's just not going to happen. I'm just not, I'm not comfortable with it. And I don't trust, I don't trust you to keep your mouth shut on top of it. Right. And, and so 
I, I tell and my pastor all the time, who's a black belt of mine ever since he was a kid, he's like, yeah, you, you need to come. I, and I tell him justice. I'm not doing it, man. I'm not singing. I'm not, I'm not ha- dealing with my feelings. And then he said, what happens if we do Bible beatdown or Jesus and jujitsu? And so we would do life groups at my studio. And what we would do is then you get the men in here that want to fight. Yeah. And they would not go to church. But let me tell you something. When you bleed with another guy and you sweat and you're working out together, there's a there's there's a there's a different mentality. Right. We're not we're not with acoustic guitar in front of the fireplace. And then a a lot of them have their wives with you. And for sure, they're not talking in front of their wives. And, And there's no way. And so, and so this is what we did. So we do an eight week course. We teach them how to fight at the last night. We pray, we do a little Bible study, and then we get in the cage and everybody that wants to fight gets to fight. And so that was Bible beatdown. That was a life group called. And then it was Jesus and Jits. So we would do jujitsu for eight weeks and then we'd have a little tournament at the end. And, but you know, guys are suffering, whether it's from pornography, whether it's from uh, aggression and anger, anger issues, Uh, some of them been in prison. Some of them are still doing dope. It's it's amazing that Bible beatdown. What started? I don't, I don't know if I if I told you this before, but my school has started a major church in my community. Wow. Uh, Justice, who was a black belt of mine, said, "Hey, man, God's calling me to to do a church here in in Chatsworth." And he goes, "I'm starting to look for places to work." And he goes, "And I said, well, my place ain't doing nothing on Sundays. You want to start it here?" And so we started that church. And let me tell you, man, I, you know, I've been I've been pressed by the devil ever since I've done it. You know, there's oh, always yeah. some kind of something in the way. But you know what? I'm I'm kind of a fighter. And I, you know, I laugh at him all the time. I said, you can knock me down, bro. You ain't you ain't knocking me out. I, I just don't care. Uh, and so this all and he was able at one point we started the small church and it's a studio. Next door to me is a bar, or there was at that time. And he was able to go in there and talk to the owner. And get us to be able to use it because they have a whole sound system there. So he would preach in the bar Sunday morning and all the kids would be in my studio next door. That's how this church started. Now think about that. That's awesome. And now it's growing to where it feeds thousands and thousands of people on a weekly basis at the church. It's, 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 it has a major church there that has, I don't know, three, three, 4,000 members now all started from this little karate studio. And, you know, him and his wife are just really, really good. And they're young. So they have great charisma. And and they they have attracted and this has happened. So uh, awesome. this this small group thing that we talk about, that's the only way you would ever get me into it, ever. I'd have to bleed with you. Uh, we're going to, you know, I'm not. And these type A guys like myself or military guys, like, you, you know what I'm talking about. We ain't, we're not, we're not, we're not doing we're not doing that. No. So, so let's talk about how you put that together and what that looks like for guys. So what's the web's the website that you have that you're doing? So the website is go boldly mastermind.com. Go boldly mastermind.com. Back in 2020, I, uh, I deployed to Kuwait first of March and I was in ground boots on the ground for about a week. And then if you remember in week two of March, the world shut down. And so I was supposed to, I went over for a 30 to 35 day mission. I was going to Kuwait, Jordan, Egypt, and Qatar and running missions with, with different people. I was going to Jordan to meet with the grand Mufti. 
going to Qatar to do some suicide prevention and intervention work, and then going to Egypt to run a, an exercise. And none of that happened. I got stuck in, in Kuwait. 30 days turned into six months. And while I was there, um, everything shut down. The gym shut down. The defect shut down. The dining facility shut down. The We were wearing masks. If if you walked, when they finally opened up the dining facility, if you walked around without your mask, the MPs were there to write a ticket. If, but you could sit across from somebody and have dinner, which made absolutely no just as essence and so you know you're getting a ticket for walking around in a dining facility with with no mask on and i i'll be honest i was i was part of my unit was really we were the ones controlling who came came in and out of kuwait and, and jordan so we were i was at arsent at the time and um and i was privy to be a part of the some very intense very secret meetings about what was going on with COVID and, and everything else. And, and, and I remember just what stood out the most, I was in a meeting one time and they said, we've got 7,000 people on this base and we've got two ventilators. And I'm thinking, you know, we're, we're seeing CNN on, on every night and people's body bags. And, and all I'm thinking is we're, we're sending, 3000 people back in body bags from here because we've only got two ventilators. And my, my thought process was I was not going back home. And, uh, and I did a lot of walking around the track. They actually were going to shut the track down, wouldn't let people walk around the track. And you know, we, we all kind of stood up for ourselves and said, you, you got to give us something, some way to, to get this pent up energy out. And, uh, and the other piece of that was, you know, we, we couldn't be in the dining facility without a mask, but we were bunked up four four guys into a room on bunk beds. So we're like, really? Um, so one night I was walking around the track and I was pretty defeated mentally and just doing a lot of counseling and a lot of soldiers coming in and talking about how their mother was in the hospital and may not make it. Their brother was dying, their sister and you know, chaplain, can I go home? No, you can't go home. You, it takes a, it takes a, a two-star approval for you to get on that plane to go home. And besides there's no planes coming in and out of Kuwait. And I was walking around one night and I just heard the words be bold. And I, I'm like, um, that ain't for me. And, and I was, I was pretty, pretty defeated having a lot of nightmares and, and then the, the verse came to mind of Genesis 12, one where God told Abram to go to the land that he would show him. He didn't say where, he didn't say what, he just said, just go to the land that I'll show you. And then the second part of that verse, he says, which is really kind of cool, that everywhere you walk, I'll, I'll make a great nation. And, and I just thought that's what the world needs is for men to go boldly, just like Abram was told to do, just be bold, step out in faith. And that, that came to, to my mind and I started working on that and and I I've got to give credit where credit's due there's there's a gentleman out of Nashville named Aaron Walker that taught me this model of small mastermind groups and I've added my own flair to it my own personality to it but it's it's small groups of men and, and I think you you hit the nail on the head that men are not willing to be vulnerable when they're at church and there's a possibility of um 
what what's the joke that you know gossip only takes place when there's prayer requests in a church but you know that's they <laughs> that's when everything gets gets told about everybody else we just want to pray pray for miss mary because you know she's she's not feeling well she was out of the bar the other night um and and men struggle with vulnerability anyway and we're not willing to share our deepest darkest darkest secrets with just anybody and especially if it's you know if we're going to be judged by it and the other piece of that is that i is i'm is i think about my own just isolation we i think a lot of men in lead, roles of leadership roles and and that are serving others they find themselves isolated a lot because you don't want to talk to the people that you lead you don't want to share your weakness you don't want to share you know what what you're struggling with because you might be judged for it and so that's the that's what i've created with these small groups of of men that can come together weekly two guys sit in the man in the middle each week they get to bring whatever they want to the group personal professional whatever they want and they get coached around it and it may be something that may be something with their their family it may be something that they're looking at hey buying another business or adding a, a piece of business and they get the opportunity to be coached, be vulnerable. And the one thing and I'll, I'll, I'll close with this. The one thing that I always say is the more vulnerable that we are as men, the more growth can take place. And I think that's the key right there. Well, I, well, I, I agree with that. And, and, but in the same token, like maybe this is what you've built is a place for men to be that way. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, in, in our society and, I, I'd sell this to my young people now. If you watch any sitcom, dads are dads are usually some you know bumbling idiot. You know, mom's taking care of the house. Yeah. Uh, or there's a single mom. If you go, if if it's Mother's Day, there's not a corner of the streets that there's not flowers and something to give. On Father's Day, it's not even. If Father's Day isn't even uh, celebrated. If you look down the chart, it's like down there in number 20. Okay. So we're already, you, you know, we're already defeated in, in, in every, everywhere. And then, then Hollywood makes us look like just, you know, they even made the Hulk look like a wuss. Okay. Uh, and I'm a big Hulk fan. Right. And I, you know, I'm like, I'm watching the last ones and I'm like, the Hulk is always angry. What are you doing? <laughs> Okay, he's not, he's not this, or you got the She-Hulk throwing stuff in his face. I'm like, uh, no, what what are we doing? Okay, I mean, we're just demeaning everything he is for crying out loud. Now, if you're going to defeat the Hulk, I mean, come on. Yeah. So I just see this uh, so much over and over. And one of the things for me, and I don't know in your world, I don't know if you have a lot of off uh, uh, military that come into your place or, or just regular or both a little, a flavor of both, or even as a chaplain, just the simple fact that, you know, we don't really mean to, or, you know, there's nothing in this world that you can do without men. I mean, men pretty much built this, built the infrastructure of the, of where we are. Okay. Yep. I mean, let, I mean, let's just get real. It's not, you know, not that, um, it's just what it is. It is what it is. And then you get all the other stuff thrown at us, you know, of, of this woke society. It's this is a hard thing for men to even be bold like you are, like you talk about. 
Yeah. I was the same way during COVID. At one point, I just put black curtains up. You know, I called them the, you know, uh, you know, the, you know, Governor Newsom curtains so we could work <laughs> out. You know what I mean? They wanted yep. us so much to be defeated at those times. They wanted us yeah. out of shape. They didn't want us exercising. They want us cooped up in a house. They didn't want to give us proper medicine. Uh, you know, it was beat, beat you down, beat you down, beat you down. As opposed to, hey, you need to get out there and get healthy, you guys. You need to uh, eat healthy foods, get get oxygen into yourself, get out there yeah. and walk and do things. Uh, you know, stupid rules like you talk about are little millennials that are going to, you know, pounce on you every time you go into Starbucks and get a coffee and you and your mask is here instead of here. And you got some little 19 year old, you know, that you want to take their head and bounce it off the, uh, you know, the counter. Yep. And I re just remember this so, so vividly. And I've watched how men, um, their masculinity is always kind of attacked or they're yeah. toxic or I, I, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. And I just think that uh, something like you're talking about is so powerful. So inside your group, now, are you the main leader in your group or do you have some other guys that are coming in under these masterminds and you have like breakout rooms or is it so, um, when you say mastermind, is it a, is it like a life group that there's a few weeks that you do things or how does that work? No. So they're ongoing. So these, these guys will potentially, if they join a group, they could potentially be in a group for three to five years if, as long as they want to stay. And because our lives are always evolving, you know, as we grow as I'm not the same guy that I was two years ago. I'm not the same. I'm not the same man that I was during COVID, you know, it's, and, and you kind of touched on something that, I saw a lot of men give in to the stupidity of what was going on and cave. And, and I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not wearing a mask into every store. You can, if you got a mask on, that's going to protect you. I'm going to, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I'm going to continue living because when it's my time, it's my time regardless. And so these guys, and that's really what, what I want to do is bring back that masculinity and help these guys but it takes trust and that trust doesn't just form overnight. And so these groups are ongoing and I've got other facilitators that are run. So as a group maxes out at eight to 10 guys, we start a new group and we're just continuing to run these groups over and over and over again. And each, each group. So we, we've got it set up so that the entire population of all the groups meet once a year live in a, at a location and get to know each other and then the small groups meet this six months later just their group in person so that they get that bonding of, each, of meeting with each other and spending a few days at a condo or someplace that you know they can mastermind together and, and really there's just something about meeting face to face that really kind of builds that bond and allows for that that vulnerability allows that trust to really take it to the next level um i like to kind of refer to it as a board of directors you know, you can trust them. And mm -hmm. so when you come to them and say, hey, I'm looking at expanding my business, you've got seven or eight other guys that have got 20 or 30 years of business experience that can speak into that and go, hey, that's a really stupid idea and probably save somebody $100,000 to $200,000 or say, great idea, but have you thought about this? And that's really where the, the rubber meets the road in these groups is, is those opportunities where guys get somebody else to speak into their life and that's that's the power of this yeah that's it's such a such a 
Now, now, did you come up with this in 2020? Is this where you started thinking about this is what was needed? Did you feel that men were not bold? You said, "Hey, I'm. This is this is where I'm. I'm going to push for something, uh, for for a place for men to meet, so that you know they can they can talk about whatever it is they need to talk about." Is this where this came from? So, to be to be to be completely transparent, in 2020, I've coached for years. I've been coaching for for 20 plus years. People from all walks of life, right, and I've got a counseling degree, coaching certif- certifications. I'm not a big person on counseling. I prefer coaching because I like helping people figure out the future. But during that time, during while I was in Kuwait, I really began having these nightmares and anxiety attacks, and I didn't know what to do with it. And I and I got really frustrated with myself because I was always telling people, you know, anxiety attacks. It, it's it's in your mind. You got to get your mind right. You got to change it. And here I am having these things and I'm not able to get control of it. I'm waking up in the middle of the night and I knew that I needed something like that myself. I knew that I needed some, some guys to surround myself. And so in my office in Kuwait, I was able to, to form some relationships with a couple of soldiers that, that we had dinner together every night. We walked the track track every night that really began to formulate that thought process of, these guys have kind of helped me walk this journey and they had just gotten back from Iraq. And so we, they were dorming in my, in my building and, and it was something that I needed. And I knew that if I needed it and the, and the problem with being a coach, being a chaplain, being a counselor is that who am I going to talk to? Who is somebody that's, that's, that's got the education that I've got, got the experience that I got that I can trust that when I say I'm struggling with this, they're not going to make light of it or, or make, you know, go off and share that information. It, it's hard for me to find that person I trust. And so that was something that I needed at that moment. So absolutely. Yeah, interesting that the, the thought process of, you know, um, anxiety and stuff like that. You know, I caught that every once in a while. I've never had that issue before in my life. I think the same thing as you, you are right. I'm like, Man, that is some bullshit, man. That's just in your mind. You know what I mean? That that, and then when I got it a, a little bit here and there, I was like, man, what is the deal? This yeah. panic attack thing. Why? Why am I getting this all of a sudden? Yeah, I've never had it before. Um, I learned that when I was in that mode, I did learn. Like, I guess from martial arts, I just kind of stopped. Uh, you know, when you're in jujitsu, you can you can get in panic mode pretty, pretty. Uh, and I'm sure in the military, same thing, right? You're going to get tunnel vision and you're going to get hyperventilating because of the situation. But in jujitsu stuff, when you got somebody laying on top of you and you're like, uh, you know, there's no way out or you feel your air getting to choke out and you're going to like, oh, man, I got to find a way out or I got to tap yeah. out. And you're starting to have anxiety. And then you just kind of tap because you know that 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 they'll release and, and, and you can go on or you weather the storm and you. And you and you go and usually weather the storm means, I mean, I got to clear my mind. I got to get oxygen in my head and I got to breathe. Yeah. And so I would do that and it would relieve a little bit of it. And I found myself now I haven't had it. I guess I got it when I got blood clots. Right. And I was told that I shouldn't even be living, you know, Uh, and this is me on when I was working on 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 Hunter in base and I was doing the course. And I just wasn't feeling good at night. And then when I came home, I found out I had double blood clots in my lungs and I should have been dead. 
Mm. And so I was like, you know, and that kind of stuff start panicking me. Like I'm going to wake up with a stroke or something else is going to happen. You know, this is what kind of started my journey back in 20, 2018 or 19, whenever it was 2019, losing weight and, and trying to get healthy and, and doing what I did. And I said, man, I got to, uh, and I remember breathing and then I'd have to get up at night, Scott, on sometimes and just take a shower. I got into a cold shower and just kind of, kind of completely took myself in a different direction. Because yeah. if I laid in that bed and I kept thinking about it, it would go, oh, I, it, the room would spin and it was like, I'm like, what am I doing? And I'm trying to talk myself out of it too, right? I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Stop being a wuss, dude. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I, I remember telling myself that so much. Man, you have got some wussy shit going on in your head. What is your deal, right? What's going on? Yeah. And uh, I never had it before, so I really didn't know how to, you know, which, and, you know, my children, some of my kids and my, my daughter and stuff, super anxious about things. They get very anxious. They get, you know, they had, you know, they lived through a divorced life, which I didn't do. My parents are still together today. So, you know, they have a different life that they've lived. And I, and I remember telling them, man, you're just going to have to talk yourself out of that. I don't know what's, you know, there is no, I, you know, at some point you have to tell yourself, and they would all tell me, Dad, you don't get it. Okay. You, you just like just and so uh I've I, and I've experienced that as a guy, right? And and I know what you're talking about there. So yeah, maybe a place where you have that, you know. I when I first went through my divorce, I went to I volunteered to go to anger management. Because if I didn't, the Hulk was gonna come out on a pretty daily basis as it was. Cause I was just so irate yeah. and um, at what my wife was doing and stuff at the time. And I was like, man, I am not, I'm not cool with any of this or am I going to be cool with any man coming around my children? I'm just not built for it at all. And so she wasn't making good choices anyway. And then you're not making good choices in guys. And then you're putting them in front of my daughter and my kids. And I'm like, mm -mm. yeah, uh, and I, so I had to go to anger management to get some kind of, and it was a group thing. And I'm like, oh, man, group thing, man. I can't stand this kind of stuff, man. But I'm going to tell you something. Most everybody in that anger management are like me. They are like, you know, extremely a personality, you know, very driven, men very that are either shooting testosterone or, you know, and I'm thinking I'm sitting here trying to get some of these and this guy's talking about how he bashed his wife on the on the bedpost. I'm like, oh, man, these guys are like these guys are like serious anger issues. Man, they've been mandated by the court. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to anger management. And Dr. Green was our thing. And he would not take any grief from anybody. He had very set rules. You didn't like it. It, it didn't matter. And he really gave some really good um you know, things to use when anger would come about and how to, he helped me a lot. He, he helped me so much. I did it for six months on a volunteer basis. And I just felt that, you know what, I'm glad I did this. You know, it took time and I was, it was way out of my comfort zone because it was a group thing, but the typical a personality men were in that group. So I definitely re, you know, re most of them were, you know, weightlifters or, you know, even coaches. Somebody you can relate one to. Was a, yeah, one was a doctor, you know what I mean? And yeah. and so I think that what you have is 
is unique, a unique setting for guys to be able to, um, you know, get together and talk. Now, tell me, tell me about, you know, your typical mastermind weekend. I've seen, I've got, you know, a few type of men, men that are still quiet and they'll be quiet for about five weeks. Right. About the fifth week, you'll see him say one thing. Yeah. They've put a little crack in the thing. Hey, I want to, you know, talk about this. Uh, and the second one is kind of like, I, I tell them they have an estrogen gene. They need to talk and they just don't shut up. You know what I mean? Uh, right. And I'm just like, I, right. I tell, there's those type of men. And then you've got the ones that are, you know, a two to three week in and they're like, Hey, I'm struggling with, uh, yeah. I'm struggling with anger, man. I just went off on my wife and something has triggered it in order for them to talk. Something triggered that week. Those are kind of the three guys that I got in when I was doing the uh, Jesus and Jits and Bible beatdown, Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of pornography stuff, uh, you, you know, to deal with. I mean, men are, are, you know, they, they're just, and then of course there's underlying issues with it. Either the marriage isn't good or, or whatever. Communication sucks. Yep. Do you feel that you have that same type of uh, mentality in your small group of guys? So I think that I think that all men typically struggle with something, um, and it takes it takes a while for that trust to be built. But there are those that are, that, like you said, that jump in and they they've got to get a certain amount of words in every day, or they're not they're not content. Um, part of what I'm when I'm interviewing so it, you know when when a guy applies to be a part of the mastermind group they get interviewed by us and we talk to them to make sure that they're a good fit um because there's got to be a level of healthiness in them that because i don't want this to be a mental health and and a, and a counseling situation i want this to be a place where um yeah even though every guy's going to struggle with something it may not come out for a while that that what you're struggling with is holding you back in this other area of your life. That may be something that the group uncovers after a while, just like a good coach does. But there's got to be a level of, of healthiness in, in these guys. And so um, if I find that that somebody is really struggling in one area, I may make a recommendation that they see a counselor for three to six months before they join this this group, because I want I don't want it to be a situation where they join the group and the, and the group tends to babysit them every time, every week. There's always an issue. There's always drama. There's always something going on. And, and the group gets, you know, they're always taking care of this one individual. I want it to be something where there's an, an equal level of uh, responsibility. There's an equal level of give and take from each member. You may not give advice every week, but you, you better be speaking into the life of the guy that's that's you know man in the middle for that week, sharing something, some insights or or whatever, um, and just because here's here's what I've learned when I when I do counseling, and I'm looking at groups, I'm what they call a family systems guy. I look at I look at the the entire system, so I'm look I'm looking at things from a systemic point of view, and if there's six guys in a group. And one guy is missing that week. There's a whole piece of that group that's missing. And when that guy is missing, for whatever reason, and the the group is coaching somebody, 
that one guy could be the catalyst to springboard whoever's man in the middle to whatever they need to, you know, that may be the missing piece. They may have the, the right words of wisdom. So when you take one person out of the group, they're missing for the day or they're missing for the, that whole system tends to kind of have a little bit of a breakdown. And that's why I like the, 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 the model of ongoing so that there's always trust and there's always outside communication as well. So, yeah, I, interesting, um, very interesting take on that, on, on what that is. So you have a process for them to kind of get into the group on top of it. Do you match people up or you start a new group and this is a new group? Cause you say like you, you have a meeting of place. So you can have somebody on each a different coast at this time that are, is it is, correct? Everything's done by zoom. So you may have somebody from, you know, different coast, different country in your group. And we, we try to match them up with a good, with the facilitator, whether it's myself or somebody else. Um, and we also let the facilitator discuss with them before they join that group so that it's a good match. Um, we want diversity so that, you know, somebody a little bit older, somebody a little bit younger, somebody with a lot more experience some less experience. We want some of that diversity um, in there to be a part of that as well. And that way it's not just 20 year olds trying to give advice to a 50 year old when they, which cracks me up anyway on Facebook um, <laughs> 30 year olds that have never lived and they're giving marriage and business advice. I'm like, what the hell you haven't even yep. <laughs> I like to bed. Man. You know, I see this in the coaching world uh, all the time, right? I see these young guys off. that are, are, are not <laughs> even, pisses me off. that pisses me <laughs> off. This is just, I'm looking at guys at, at 30 years old and you know, and they jump on or, or, or you're 25 and they're trying to tell they're not even married yet. Okay. You haven't, you haven't even had a family. You haven't even gone through that nightmare. Okay. Uh, you, you lot lived a life until you've, uh, watch your children, you know, uh, struggle in, in a hospital or, or have to get stitches or, or your wife struggling or, or, or all the stuff that goes with it or through a divorce and you're 25 and you're harping on, you know, if you want stuff in life, you got to get up and get after it, you know, and, uh, or, or if you attack me, then, you know, I'm just like, man, you're so young and stupid. There's a, um, there's a coach out there that's been married, maybe at this point been married, maybe six years. And for the last three or four years, I've kind of watched, watched him. And, and some of these guys just eat it up. You know, he's given marriage advice and he's, he's been married six years. And I'm like, dude, you haven't even made it past the seven year mark. Sit <laughs> down. You don't, you have no clue what what tough is all about so just sit down you don't know what you're talking about <laughs> right i see it all the time in the coaching world man all the time and and i remember as a younger guy i would even uh you know i bark at it a little bit but now i just kind of i just kind of lay back and kind of laugh a little bit and go you have no idea what you don't know it doesn't even matter if you made some money oh yeah okay because yeah. you haven't been through life yet where you've made money and you can lose it at the blink of an eye you know, yeah, just out of, you know, or, or give business advice, but you don't have, have you ever been audited? Have you been audited where the IRS wants a hundred grand and you have to go in and fight it yourself because there's no, you know, there's not really attorneys or anything that unless you're yeah. a major corporation that goes and does it for you. I mean, have you done that yet? You know what I mean? Uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's just, uh, 
it's a joke. It's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's just an interesting thing. It's an interesting take what you have on this, on on your global. So there's a process now. Uh, it looks like Carrie put out your um, GoBoldlyMastermind.com. She put it out. Though. That's the website where you can go. Yeah, and, so you know, and I have, uh, you know, I've got even guys here, believe it or not, that struggle um, uh, that uh, I want to make sure that uh, they have a way uh, to uh, I, they, they ask me quite often and some of them don't want church. This might be a way for them. So now I have another an avenue to uh, to 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 do that with them. So I want to make sure that we, we you know, we can reach out and. And we have a place to go and, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe we can help, help some guys that, you know, I've got a lot of guys, man. I got a lot of boys that are, are military too, bro. And, yeah. you know, military boys are not, they, you know, They're they talk to, to each other and they talk to nobody else. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they've, you know. You got guys that got body counts and, and they're struggling and then their marriages are whatever, man, it's brutal. And yeah. so it's good major that you got somebody that can, you know, that can chew some dirt and they, a chaplain has have a little bit of life behind them and that you can help them. So I think this is a powerful thing. I'm glad I got to have an hour with you. Absolutely. So I'm just going to give you the last 30 seconds here, you know, uh, have people, you know, where they can reach you and what you're all about. And, and then we'll, we'll, we'll let you get to your, We'll let you get to bed here tonight. Absolutely. So go go boldly mastermind.com or they can email me at scott at go boldly mastermind.com. Um, I can be reached on Facebook, Scott D. Spate, and uh, and pretty pretty easy out there to, to reach on Facebook. But here's here's the thing is I I live for those aha moments when guys in the group get the aha moment of now I understand mom said something, teacher said something when I was eight years old or whatever it might be that that they finally the light bulb goes on and everything in their life changes and i love i love when i get those phone calls 2 years later and they go hey it was that one conversation in this group or it was that one guy that made in the group that made a, an absolute difference in my life and i it, it, those are the the moments that i live for when those changes take place and it's and it's and i even hate to use the word change i look i the word i use is transformation because I, I think that you've seen it. How many guys have come to the gym and they work out for six months and then they start to see the, the muscles and then they quit. And a year later you see them and they look like they've been sitting on the couch drinking alcohol and eating bonbons. And and that's change because it's it's temporary. And I look at Correct. transformation and I say transformation is permanent. That's when we really have something and we're moving in the right direction. So when I'm looking at, at guys that come in the group, that's what I'm looking for. Guys that are willing to to, to find transformation themselves and help other guys to transform as well. And so, so we are looking to grow and would love to help those guys that are willing to, to be transformed. Yeah, that's so good, Scott. Awesome words to end with, man. This has been a, a really awesome hour for me. I, I, I'm an advocate for men. Uh, I'm I'm an advocate for men to go bold and be bold. Stop, you know, stop being a wussy. <laughs> stop being a cat is that better stop being there you a cat go. There you go. Uh, Absolutely. And right i tell all my guys all the time let's get some goya going on get off your ass and let's go uh and so i i really enjoyed the hour look forward to uh some more connections and you have a you know a safe deployment we appreciate your service scott 
Thanks, Mark. And uh, we'll put it out there for everybody. This will be an audio format. Everybody else that's listening, I'll have it out in audio format for you later tonight, Scott. And you can share the audio portion of this so people can go on Spotify where they listen. It'll be on YouTube also if they want to watch it, but it'll be out there in the world for, for this. And I'll, I'll send you all the clips and everything that we have at the end of the day. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Mark, for having me on. Brother. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks, sir. You've been listening to Real Talk with Mark Cox. Real life, real topics, real conversation. We're passionate about motivation, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, and coming at it from a real angle. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime...